had the song stuck in my head, oh, Sarah, yeah? for like over a week now. Uh, Come Sailing Away by The Sticks. Oh. <laughs> it's just been in my head and I can't get it out. And no matter what other songs I try to listen to, no, it just comes back. Just creeps back in. Yeah, it just comes back in, and it just, it's driving me. I'm sailing away. <laughs> How did it start? Like, was it just random, or, like, did you hear it somewhere? So, I was making a TikTok, and it's, like, I took, like, a ton of videos of when we were on the boat ride during our vacation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and... I used that song, Uh-oh. <laughs> and ever since then, I've regretted it. I knew I should have used an Irish shanty. Oh, that would have been fun. Or sea shanty. I think I meant sea shanty, not oh, Irish shanty. I understood. <laughs> oh. Anyway, how are you doing this week? I am doing pretty well. I'm. I feel like I'm slumping down a little bit because my school is starting again. <laughs> I know. I'm excited to get it started, though, because if I get it started, the sooner I will be done with it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm excited for the classes. I think it it will be interesting uh, topics this quarter. So Um, it's not all bad, but it is like you get those three weeks off and it just feels so glorious just to live your life and not have to do discussion boards or quizzes or assignments or video calls for assignments (laughs) and then you're like oh it all comes back it all comes back it comes to an end after a little while you know you got to go back to school and it's never long enough (laughs) away from school (laughs) i know did did you only have two weeks off? No, it was three full weeks off. It okay. feel it felt short because I was so busy in those three weeks. Like, like mm-hmm. you know, my finals week was Justin's brother's wedding. The week after that was going on my trip. And then this last week I've been working. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, oh, I know. But that's okay. It'll oh, all be man. good. And yeah, I'm, I'm mostly just excited to like push through the next two quarters and get to my practicum and my internship and start practicing and uh, it'll be good. It'll be great. <laughs> it will be good. It will be good. And even though I'm a little bit upset that summer is almost over, I'm also kind of just excited mm-hmm. about fall. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is, but like when it's been hot for so many weeks, like when there's some relief, like today, where it's like not as it's not ninety degrees, it's kind of breezy. Like, oh, right, fall is around the corner. <laughs> now, are you the kind of person who just screams with joy for pumpkin spice lattes? It's a hype, April. It's it's all a hype. I'm not gonna lie that like, I won't say every year, but like there have been like many years where I've had a pumpkin spice latte in fall like just the one maybe two um just to kind of like have one because it's not bad like it's it's delicious it's so sweet though at least the like starbucks or any of the other ones that i've had have been just like so (laughs) loaded with sweetener 
you know, that like it's it is one of those mm. things where you kind of just have one and then you're good. You're good for the whole and rest then of you're fall. Golden. Uh, I'm so glad because I don't think I've ever had one and I just oh. prefer anything else. Well, now you kind of have to have one, though. No. <laughs> I refuse. You can't she refuses, make me. folks. She refuses. <laughs> and we lost all of our followers. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. You need to try to find a place that will give you one, like, outside of peak PSL <laughs> season so that you don't feel like you're falling into the trap, but just so <laughs> yes. that you can have an informed opinion. Sarah just told me what peak PSL season means, and I'm very disappointed in everyone involved. Now back to the show. It's oh, well, and, and then I think what I don't even remember when I had my first one, but I think going into it, I was expecting it to taste like pumpkin pie. It does not taste. I, I, mean, I could be wrong. It's been a while since I've had one. It doesn't taste like pumpkin pie. It kind of just tastes. I'm not. This is gonna be so mean to my Starbucks lovers out there, but it really kind of just tastes like. The cinnamon dolce latte, which I love the cinnamon dolce latte, but the pumpkin spice is less good than the cinnamon dolce. Now we're negative subscribers. Oh no! We'll never the be listened dolce to ever again. The cinnamon dolce is so good, though. Okay, if, if I have to have a Starbucks latte, but Justin will pop in here, I'm sure, and say, "You have to," and I'll say, "Yes." No, I don't have to. I think that's the other issue. Is now. I, I used to not be careful with my money up until quite recently, folks. I've been very strict with my budget now. And so here I am. I'm actually drinking an iced coffee currently that I made from home for myself. It doesn't even have creamer in it today because that's how cheap I am today, apparently. Um, and I'm only drinking it because I made too much coffee earlier and couldn't finish it all. So I put it in the fridge and now I'm having an iced coffee and it's decaf because i'm 80 years old <laughs> this is way too much coffee talk now now that we know how old you are yes and that you've given me a tip i think i'll just order a cinnamon dolce latte out of rebellion and i'll be like this is so much better than pumpkin spice <laughs> Even though I've never had pumpkin spice. It is like, it is just so good. It That to me tastes like fall. Because it's got all the spices, like the cinnamon is just so like strongly there. And it's like sweet, but like not like a sickening sweet, you know? I don't know. It's just delicious. I like it. <laughs> mm, now I'm trying to think of when I can go to Starbucks and get one. You gotta take a video of you drinking it in front of like a sign advertising know. for pumpkin Hopefully spice lattes or something and just be like, screw you! Screw you, people! In the editing bay, Sarah just asked me why they talked about coffee for so long and I do not know the answer. There is another like 10 minutes or so talking about coffee, but we're just gonna cut that part out. Because we care. Well, April, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm just enjoying my time off from school. I have one more week of summer break and then I'm going to jump into the practicum and hopefully that goes steady. We'll see what happens. But I'm just 
kind of enjoying life right now, and I'm happy Yay. about it. Yay! <laughs> and you will be glad. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> awesome. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mostly, uh, I don't think I have the jet lag anymore from the trip. Like our our last episode that we we recorded, like I was bound and determined to record, and I was just so tired but I was like no I can do this I do feel like towards the end we were like okay like we're we're (laughs) slowing down (laughs) I know I would think I would think especially like because you're two hours ahead so you had to like come forward two hours to come visit Mm -hmm. and then of course like we stayed up late like your meal times i'm sure were completely like off and screwed up and then so you spend a week like that and then you have to go back and then you're like oh i can't stay up until midnight because it's actually 2 a.m here (laughs) instead of midnight oops (laughs) yes yes it's uh, so i when going west i always have a much easier Mm -hmm. time with the change of time zones and but then when I go east I'm just like I'm struggling I'm struggling um oh well now I can tell the story so so April while we were there your uh mom so wonderfully gave you a little birthday gift a belated Mm -hmm. birthday gift because she's like I couldn't find the one I found to ship to you in Canada was going to cost me like a hundred dollars or something. So I decided just to buy it here and then wait till, you know, Mm -hmm. that whole great thing about shipping things to a different country and all that. So cute little cookbook. And I looked through it while I was there and I'm like, Oh, this is like really actually really nice. It's like got lots of tips on baking, lots of cool, like good pictures and recipes. And, um, so I just kind of like made a, some comment on like how I liked it and kind of pointed out like, oh, it's spiral bound. So you can actually like open it and have it lay flat on your counter while you're cooking, like all those little mm-hmm. things that make a cookbook great. And um, because I love cookbooks, I don't cook very many things out of my cookbooks. I have like certain recipes out of certain books that I go to all the time. I need to be better about actually trying more mm-hmm. things anyways. So I get home, you know, started transitioning back to working and thinking about going back to school. And April, your mom texted me uh, earlier this week and was like, oh, by the way, you may slash should get something from Amazon this week. (laughs) I was like, oh, really? (laughs) And then, of course, like, it took like four days after that text to actually get it. So every single day I'm like, what did she get me? And uh, it was that cookbook. Anyway, so I'm I'm really excited. I spent the other evening like literally just like looking through everything, like reading stuff, and it was not, it was nice. It was so sweet. My mom's so sweet, and she's so giving. <laughs> but yeah, I'm hoping. Uh, depending on how busy I am with the practicum, I would like to kind of dive in into that cookbook because like I enjoy baking too, but like the you know the last year and and a half yeah it's been crazy busy so well and then after we had your mom's sourdough bread i'm like ding 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 i might need to try doing sourdough (laughs) 
I've done it before, oh. but I'm um, the gal that, uh, and now of course I'm spacing on her name and the book is downstairs. But anyways, um, she ha so she became like popular through her YouTube videos and she does like all these instructional mm -hmm. baking YouTube videos and then she just made a cookbook in the last year or two. And she has a whole series on sourdough and like how to start it, how to get it, you know, going. And then I think some of the later videos are like how to use it and how to cook with it and, and make bread and stuff out of it. So I'm like, ooh. <laughs> Maybe I could have time to do that. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully soon. I know that you have yeah. three classes. Three. <sighs> you can do it. You can do it. Can Happy do it, thoughts. Yeah. Happy, Happy thoughts, thoughts and lots of organization. After we record, I'm going to be grabbing my physical schedule book <laughs> and writing down things that are due and when <laughs> so that I can have a nice visual and keep track of things because I think that will help me. So April, you texted me this morning that you would like to talk about something called rejection sensitive dysphoria. And I'm like, wow, I don't know what the heck that is. What is this? So would you like to give us first just kind of a very basic um, overview, description, definition on rejection-sensitive dysphoria? Okay, so what I will start off with is that the word dysphoria stems from the Greek language, and it's the Greek word for unbearable or difficult to bear. Um, and what it is, is that it's an extremely intense emotional reaction towards actual rejection or perceived rejection. Um, and essentially the triggers itself is obviously rejection, but like teasing, um, criticism, even if it's like, constructive criticism okay so it could be like either actual rejection so i'm picturing like you know kids on a school ground and like one kid approaches a group and wants to play and the other kids are like no we don't want to play with you and then and then the response of the mm -hmm. child that was rejected that would be mm -hmm. in this rejection sensitive dysphoria or it could be a perception of like those kids don't want me to play with them, even if those kids never said mm -hmm. anything to that mm -hmm. effect. Yeah, and okay. uh, or like say, um, say you're in a class in school, and especially as you get older, the more you have to start practicing communicating constructive uh, feedback and criticism, mm -hmm. and how that can be very difficult for someone who um, suffers from rejection sensitive dysphoria because it's like great now I have to give my paper and they will realize how unperfect it is and that yeah they'll tell me I suck yeah or like yeah taking like a piece of constructive constructive criticism which isn't supposed to be like cutting a person down it's supposed to be like helping them to learn and grow but that person with rejection sensitive dysphoria is going to internalize that in like a negative way so is this something that is like a component of ADHD is it something that can just kind of um exist 
on its own like someone just has this rejection sensitive dysphoria but not necessarily other symptoms of adhd that kind of that's kind of i think where my brain's going it's like oh okay so like where does this fit into like other things so it does uh heavily correlate with adhd i'm certain that it could probably correlate with autism as well because you know um a big component of autism is where you may not understand um social cues and so you're either masking your autism and uh trying to uh gauge in okay what's the appropriate social cue and then it's essentially um, the whole aspect of rejection sensitive dysphoria is the emotional dysregulation, mm-hmm. um, which is part of like the executive function of the brain. So, <clears throat> what it feels like is like this inconsistency of emotions where, like, you're happy one minute, something triggers the RSD and then you have this intense expression of emotion like extremely overwhelming that can feel like feeling. it's an yeah. open okay. wound to the soul my next question is this is anxiety are they different rc versus like anxiety or social anxiety that's a good question um i would think that rsd could be heavily uh, connected to anxiety as well because essentially when a person is experiencing um, rejection sensitivity is that they eventually become like people pleasers they eventually kind of just like forego their own self identity so that they can make sure that they are meeting others' social expectations Mm -hmm. so that they can dodge the rejecting feelings and dodging the triggers. Which can then also Mm -hmm. cause a lot of anxiety because you're not being your true authentic self, but you're just being... Um, society's expectations on what you think they want you to be. Is there anything that points to like the cause of RSD? So is this like a socialization thing or like um like the nature versus nurture? Um, so it's it is a lot of nature and nurture. Um, I think it also depends on like what your environment is like. So, like, if at school, you know, a ton of kids are, like, teasing you and all that stuff and, like, literally laughing at you as you're crying your eyes out, um, I think that if teachers address that and, like, actually, like, redirected um, behaviors as well as trying to start building coping skills with the other kid... um, I think that would actually solve a lot of issues regarding this. When you were describing um, the word dysphoria, you know, of course I'm thinking of like body image dysphoria, like that sort of thing, where it's not like um, 
it's not like a medical like diagnosable issue it's a social issue it's a like you know how you cope with things that have happened to you and how you respond and how triggers you know trigger you that kind of thing um yeah so i do feel like an early intervention would solve a lot of this right Yes, I believe so. The issue is, like, depending on where uh, children are, like, what school district are they in, like, are they attending a school that would actually promote a better well-being for the student body um, rather than just playing the victim-blame game, which I know is very easy to do. Um, I've witnessed it. I've experienced it. Um, and it's just, it's very, very frustrating because, like, we're in the year 2022. And there are still districts out there that still don't have this figured out. It goes along with, like, the mindset that, like, kids will just kind of figure it out. And in my time working, granted, with very young children, like, kindergarten and below so it's a little bit different right they're like little little kids but even at that age like seeing like no like intervention when intervention is needed is so helpful because you reduce the number of you know outbursts you reduce like the anxiety of the group you promote you know pro-social behaviors and like, if kids need a moment to kind of, you know, de-escalate, you can get, give them the tools that they need to be successful, and then they can come back as a group and be so much, like, more um, harmonious. You were mentioning promoting their wellness and giving them the tools and stuff, so really quick, I just want to go over, like, you know, if you're someone who does not have ADHD, all the symptoms that are attached to it, um, I want to talk about, like, what does that look like from the outside perspective? So, like we said before, it's, like, intense emotional outbursts. So, like, it could be crying, um, intense anger, yelling, um, hyperventilating when crying, um, self-deprecating talk or humor so I on, on this I want to say I do think it's important to laugh at yourself um, but there is a there's a healthy dose of that and then there is a very uh, overwhelming dose of self-deprecating talk if you see someone who's like constantly like that and they're not really like maybe not really laughing at themselves or they're like awkwardly laughing about it um that's one of the things to look out for um social withdrawal because like as you go through the motions of um rejection sensitivity uh it can behaviorally teach you to socially withdraw so like you avoid certain social situations because of like how many times history has repeated itself or 
another way to see social withdrawal is just you become silent. Like you just completely disengage, even though you're still physically present. Um, that can also be, I don't know if it could be considered an emotional outburst or at least like kind of a consequence of an, of the emotional outburst or not. But that's one, one other way that it will look like the low self-esteem, low self-perception, um, which again, like if school districts all got on board and actually intervened appropriately so that kids would not have this growing case of low self-esteem, um, the world would be a better place. Um, you ruminate on past events. Mm -hmm. So if you see someone who is constantly talking about criticism or rejection or something like that over and over and over again, like chronically, this could be rejection sensitivity. Um... And then the last thing is struggles in relationships, whether it be romantic or platonic. I've been hurt once before, so I'm going to just not even um, engage with that group. And like yeah. I've I had experiences in my young dating years where I would just like I would get into like book series yeah. that my interest uh love interest was interested in even though I didn't really care for it but I figure oh well if I get into this book series then they'll notice me surely <laughs> they'll approach me and be like oh I love Harry Potter too no, I like Harry Potter. Harry Potter but <laughs> yes um and like just trying to change like parts of my personality that would actually like fit in with their their own personality. Yeah, so you're doing a lot of like mirroring, like mm -hmm. that kind of like, like okay, if I do, okay, <laughs> sidebar, but this is a great example of mirroring. So we're rewatching The Office, and we just got to the season where, because Jim left and went to Stanford. But then the Stanford branch closed and the Scranton branch absorbed some Stanford branch people. So enter Andy Bernard. And Andy Bernard is yes. like, I can't remember exactly what the quote is, but he's basically like, I'm going to make everybody like me. Like everyone loves me because I do very simple things. Like I, uh, I... I never, I'm never the first person to like stop shaking someone's hand. So that's where you have the scene of him and Dwight just like shaking hands for forever. Um, and then one of the other things is he's like, I mirror the person that I'm talking to. And it's true. Like, I mean, they teach you that in counseling too, mm -hmm. to kind of mirror your client, um, where you kind of act like the person you're talking with, you know, you kind of match their body language and match their kind of tone and, and all that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was a beautiful example because there's Andy Bernard like talking with Michael Scott and Michael's like, I really like this guy, Andy. 
But yes, and to further down the line in the office where it's uh, Dwight gets fired and then Andy becomes the new number two and it, he's just driving everyone crazy and he's just really trying to build a relationship with Michael. Um, and Michael finally snaps. He's like, no, I don't want to do any of those things with you. You are driving me crazy. Da, 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 da. And then Andy has this really intense response of, sorry, I annoyed you with my, with my friendship. friendship. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I'm so glad I brought it yes. up because that actually is a really good example. Yes. It's a really good example. And then, and then as like immediately after, Oh, you know, Jim and Pam are trying to play a prank on Andy because, like, those who drive Jim crazy especially, yep. he plays pranks on them. Oh. So they stole his phone, <laughs> Andy's phone, throw it into the ceiling. Rock and Robin. And it's playing rockin that Robin. godforsaken <laughs> ringtone. <laughs> Rock and Robin. And then he's... Andy is starting to yell at the the entire office, like, I'm sorry for being annoying because, and then the ring t- tone starts going again, where's yeah. my freaking phone? And then he ends up punching a hole in the wall. <laughs> that yeah. was an overreaction. <laughs> it's, yep. it's so, that scene for me, it's like so hard to watch because it's like, I understand, like he, he completely changes himself because of his low self-esteem and then is frustrated by the rejection he is experiencing from his peers but it's like you know later on in the show yeah. like he's yeah, he becomes, he's still yeah, a, a lot more a goofy guy but he seems he like more instead of like trying to live up skin. to like what he assumes other people want him to be when everyone's like no <laughs> like Pop it. Another example from media, um, and I know I've, I think I've mentioned it before on the podcast, and I didn't realize what it was at first, but like the more I've been reading on ADHD and going through school, I was like, that's what rejection sensitivity is. So for those of you who have not watched Better Call Saul, mm-hmm. I'm going to be talking about, I think it's a moment in season three. Mm-hmm. Um, where Jimmy, also known as Saul, is starting to work on this elder abuse case. Yes. And it's the class Oh my god, I know which episode you're talking about. It's so hard to watch. Oh, it's it's so good. It's so good. So hard. So, it's, it's so good. So, if you watch this episode soon, like, know that this is, I think this is what is happening. So, Jimmy creates this environment against one of the core leaders of the class action lawsuit. She is the sweetest little lady and she's just a single woman living on her own in a retirement community and most of the people in the retirement community are a part of this lawsuit. He then creates this narrative without her knowing about how she will be taking all the... She's trying to take all the money for herself once the lawsuit is done. 
Slowly but surely, all of her friends in the retirement home start to turn on her. They start to ostracize her. And it's so hard to watch. And it it climaxes toward the moment um, there's like a community bingo game going on. And he, Jimmy fixes it in a way where she wins the big prize at the end. And of course, she's, she's excited at first, but then realizes no one is clapping for her as she's going up to get her prize. She's looking up and like people are wow. starting to leave. People turn away. And then she just... I can't remember if she drops whatever it is that was given to her. I don't remember what her actual response was, but I yeah, I remember her. She's just like heartbroken, like she's just so sad. And I, I'm pretty sure she screams, "No!" Yep. And then run like drops whatever was handed to her and runs out the room. That was so hard to watch. I we had to pause the show because I was starting to have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> My poor, my poor sweet husband, bless his little heart. Anyway, and so that's like, it's, she had this emotional outburst and like the social withdrawal, withdrawal of her leaving and then is struggling with her mm-hmm. relationships with her peers in the retirement community uh, through no fault of her own because Jimmy decided to lie mm-hmm. so that he could trick all these yeah. little old ladies and little old men's <laughs> to get what he wanted. <laughs> oh. Such a wonderful man, but oh my god, his character was terrible. <laughs> how, how dare you, Bob Odenkirk? How dare you? I still haven't finished that show, so please no Me spoilers. Neither. If Me neither. <laughs> Once again, there's too many TV shows. <laughs> No, I can't shows. keep track of all of them. And here we are re-watching a show we've seen multiple times. <laughs> yeah, oh no, gosh. that's a really great example of kind of what you're, what you described. Like that paints a really good picture of um, what this rejection sensitivity could look like. Um, especially when it's in response to like actual like things that are happening. Um, so... My Mm -hmm. next question is how, um, or like, what are some ways that people can like work through RSD? Um, of course, like on the top of my mind, I'm just thinking of counseling, obviously, but is there like specific, um, interventions that seem to work really well? I'm thinking about like cognitive behavioral therapy, things like that, um, Another idea I had, it would group therapy be appropriate in this situation to kind of promote like being together in a group and like Mm -hmm. working through those challenging thoughts and behaviors in that setting? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So handy dandy Google. Uh, Dr. Sharon Aline, I believe that's how you say, no, Dr. Sharon Saline. She has listed out, uh, ways to manage rejection sensitive dysphoria. 
um, and I'll go over and quickly like summarize each and every one. Um, combat rejection by reinforcing the individual's strengths. So I think it's just reminding if you're a teacher or if you're a parent or if you're mm -hmm. a counselor or you're a helper of any kind or just simply any individual that just reminding someone of their strengths um whether it be like you know something about how smart they are or about um how passionate they are loyal any positive um characteristic about the child or adult that you are working with can be extremely beneficial. Um, I know probably at first they might not believe it. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe like, comp or like a like pointing out specific strengths. Like you were, mm -hmm. you know, you got an a hundred percent on this math test, or like you know you're mm -hmm. really great at, at baking cookies. You know, like something that's like you can point to like a specific mm -hmm. thing that they did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so be as specific as you can be, because um, if you're just dropping the same old, oh, you're so smart, or you're so funny, or you're so... things that they usually hear every single day without diving into, like, the exact thing that you're talking about, um, it would be very helpful. Um, this one... I struggle with a little bit. Um, quit taking it personally. Well, I think that phrase is just a little not helpful. I get the sentiment, though. No. I think that's... Okay, so especially if you're an adult and you're like, why, why am I struggling with this? Like, why am I struggling with RSD and you're trying to work on yourself? Um... Yeah, I struggle with that one too, mm -hmm. actually. I was trying to spin it, and then I'm like, I can't really spin it super well. I guess if you are in a space where you're like, you can work on your thoughts like that, where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling like this. Mm -hmm. Did that person actually mean to, like, reject me? Or did they mean to say that to make me feel rejected? And if you can kind of work through the, like, reality of, like, oh, they actually didn't mean that like they didn't actually say I hate you <laughs> like or I don't want to hang out with you yeah yeah so I very similar to what you just said um I think simply just saying stop taking things so personally and then just leaving it at that it's not helpful for any. I feel like that involved. statement in itself is a rejecting statement <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it really is. It's very similar. It's invalidating, and it's to me, it's very similar mm -hmm. to saying stop being so dramatic. Well, I would love to stop being so dramatic, but I don't mm -hmm. know how, and I feel rejected right now. So, um, so essentially, to further investigate, um, it says here, assist your child or teen okay. or adult to pause before they respond and say, that's a good question, comment, let me think about it. Um, remind them that other people can mm -hmm. say thoughtless or hurtful things sometimes that are more about them than you. 
so it's like I've said that a couple of times to mm-hmm. people where especially in the last few years I'm like it says more about you than it does about me because like whoever is saying the hurtful things if it's like intentional rejection or trying to hurt my feelings or whatnot I've yeah. learned that it's about their insecurities and that they're trying to bring me down in the process. So, moving on. Um, it's important, the third thing is you need to develop affirmations for yourself. So, hey Tiffany Rowe. Hi. <laughs> uh, it's important to have like a steady like collection of affirmations to like help remind yourself that whatever it is that's coming up, you can get through it. Whatever has happened in the past, you got through it. Um, and again, um, like positive phrases like I am stronger than I, I think. I can take risks and see what happens. I can, this is a big one for me, I can make a mistake mm-hmm. and still be a good person. So. That's one. Uh, all emotions are valid. Um, I think another trait about RSD is that we eventually feel that our emotions are not valid at all. So all emotions are valid that if you experience RSD, like eventually, and especially with like social feedback, you could slowly learn that your emotions are invalid. Right. Or like you're responding too big. Like you need to Mm -hmm. calm down. (laughs) You need to like Mm -hmm. not be upset. Like that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and when your child or teen or an adult friend is experiencing big emotions, like, let them mm-hmm. experience the big emotions and try not yep. to problem solve right yeah. then and there. Um, because again, it's all, I don't think it's quite invalidating when you try to problem solve right away, but yeah. Cause you're basically is, saying I'm uncomfortable uh, with your emotions, which tells that person that they should not be experiencing that big emotion mm-hmm. and they need to like stuff it down. Yay, counselors, we get to sit with big emotions and just kind of let people experience that maybe for the first time with another person. And, like, Mm -hmm. being on the other side of that, being in the client chair, I can tell you how emotionally freeing it is to, like, actually go through the full, like, cycle of, like, an emotional state and then come back down and, you know, feel so much more calm and at peace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, versus like just trying to suppress it because then it just kind of keeps bubbling up mm-hmm. and bubbling up, and, you know, instead of actually like working mm-hmm. through it. Yeah, I remember my ther- therapy experiences back in the States and how like, I, I think I was in it for three and a half years with the same therapist. She was great. Um, but especially early on she would point out wow you've experienced a lot of rejection and like understanding 
where it was that I was coming from and how frustrated I was by those experiences because, you know, so many people were just like, mm-hmm. oh, it is what it is. No. It's like, <laughs> yes, but no. Um, the next one says, be prepared to handle outbursts. Um, so I think, hmm, I think just like making sure that you have techniques in your toolbox and like communicating with people like, hey, I might need to leave the room for like five minutes to go cool off or just communicating with other people of your needs. Yeah. Or like if you're a parent of a child experiencing this, um, just knowing that certain situations especially mm-hmm. might, you know, might be triggering. And so just have those tools in your tool, like check in with your kid, mm-hmm. you know, make sure to kind of build in breaks or say, okay, we're going to stay for an hour and then it's over, you know, <laughs> like have an exit strategy, that sort of thing. This is especially important, like exit strategies, the stop think uh, approach. Um, it's especially important because a lot of people, while like when you're younger, you tend to like show your emotions outward, but then as you grow older with RSD, you in you internalize these emotions for a long period mm-hmm. of time. So bottling up emotions because society has taught you that oh your emotions make us uncomfortable but then (laughs) the bottle pops yeah so uh, as you the more you practice it the more you realize like when you need to utilize your exit strategy without like um how do I say this? I don't want to say without, like, taking down other people because the emotions are valid. Yeah. I, I'm i thinking of the word shame, like, without feeling mm-hmm. ashamed about having to leave early. Like, if you're somewhere mm-hmm. and you're just feeling it bubbling up and bubbling up and you're like... I'm not getting anything out of this, you know, like knowing when you need to step out and, you mm-hmm. know, be done with an event early or, you know, that's, that's kind of like I'm having mm-hmm. like in my head, like have a literal exit strategy or at least like, you know, knowing like, okay, like <laughs> if I, you know, say I just need to go in the bathroom for 10 minutes, I can do some breathing exercises that will help me calm down and then I can reenter, you know, tools like that. Uh, the last one says emphasize family connection. Ooh. Now that's tricky. This is tricky because what if your family is part of that? Extremely yeah. toxic. <laughs> what if they caused <laughs> and yeah. part of the problem? <laughs> if your family's safe, <laughs> yes, yes. Like establish connections, nurture, nurture. That's the word I was looking for. Connections with them, but family doesn't have to be like literal mm-hmm. like relatives that you are related to immediate family or whatever it could be 
me and April, mm-hmm. we're technically extended family. Like, if you have cousins or aunts, that you, uncles that you can talk to, friends that are like family, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I would extend that past family. I would extend it to, like, have mm-hmm. a group, a community of people that you are safe with and that you can trust and build connections with them. Because it's so mm-hmm. easy just to isolate. Yeah, do your best. I know it's not easy. <laughs> um, especially, like, and that's the hard part, too, because, like, if you struggle with RSD, like, you may not have that many friends, but you can be picky on who you trust and share yourself with. Um and if you end up having feelings that don't make you feel good or feel like uh, people make you feel like your worth is not enough, you don't have to share everything about yourself with them. Oh, yeah, no. I think I think that you can create strong connections with people, you know, on shared interests, like joining, like, some sort of group that you know, if you like photography or if you like d and I don't know, like <laughs> card games, like mm-hmm. just different things. Like you can kind of find like, you know, people to like spend time with and connect with, but you, but it feels less scary because you don't have to feel like, you know, you're going to know everything about each other. And, you know, I'm thinking of those like kindergarten best friends, like where they're like, we're... <laughs> We know everything about each other. You know, you don't have to do that. Like, that's scary for anybody. Um, Also, I think this is where counseling can be such a great thing. Like, if having connections with family and friends is scary because you're afraid of being rejected, why not go work on that in counseling where that person will listen to you? And you don't have to take on any of the burden, hopefully, if you are taking on burden of the counselor, see a different counselor, please. Like, you just get to be there and be yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that is, like, a really great place to learn and, like, to work on this stuff. Very curious. Mm-hmm. And I might do some research later mm-hmm. on how group therapy might work with this, exactly. like, particular population. Because I do think, yes, it would be incredibly scary at first. But I think if you get through that initial, like, nervousness Mm -hmm. about being in a group of people, like, if you're in a group of people who all have very similar experiences and feelings around rejection and being, like, having difficulty maintaining friendships and relationships, like, holy crap, like, you could learn so much from other Mm -hmm. people. It's true. Like, even just, like, even if it's not like a group therapy session, just surrounding yourself with neurodiverse individuals can be so healing of in and of yeah. itself. Um, I also want to suggest if you have access to a good school counselor or resource teacher or guidance counselor, whatever it is in your school, school district, utilize them. Like Yes. Pester them. Yeah. We want to help you. <laughs> but unfortunately, yeah. most of the time, yeah, we're not mind readers either. Problems, like, <laughs> let those problems be known so that people can help you. Mm-hmm. 
because I know that not everyone has access to a decent therapist and I'm just trying to brainstorm on the spot like Absolutely. all the various uh, coping strategies someone could have in place of a therapy session. Yeah, I think there's really great value in, and a lot of school districts these days have mental health counselors available for students and their families. So find out if your school has counseling services like that. Um, school counselors go through very similar training uh, to mental health counselors. It's obviously slightly different because it's targeted for schools and kids and everything like that, but um, they go through a lot of the same curriculum. Um, so those are really great resources. School counselors can also run groups. <laughs> so that's an idea for you school counselors out there. Maybe you should run a group for kids who have a hard time making friends. They could be friends. Oh my God. How amazing <laughs> would that be? <laughs> exactly. So Sarah, do you have any more questions for me relating to the topic? I think we really covered a lot. I feel like I know a lot more about it now and I have a lot more ideas of like things that could be helpful for people um, experiencing this. Um, I feel like I've maybe experienced some of this in my life too. So I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Hence my question uh-huh. about, is it caused by experiences and socialization? You know, we all react to like, you know, life, you know, that that's all that like human growth and development is, is responding to life experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, I think my one last question is more of a technical counselor-y type question because I saw it's so this, and I think it'd be important for the reader or the readers. Oh my God. The listeners. (laughs) This is an audio (laughs) podcast, Sarah, not a blog. Um, For our listeners to know that this is not like a diagnosable (laughs) condition. Like it's not like ADHD, autism, those things are in the DSM, the, um, uh, the manual in which, you know, mental health counselors and doctors and psychologists use to diagnose someone with a condition. This is like, uh, basically it gives people, um, a framework, an idea of why they behave the way they behave is that kind of my, I, that's kind of what I read into it. So there's an, there's an interesting fact that I found on the, it's called Ad Etude Magazine, um, ADDetudemag.com. Mm. Um, so essentially the interesting fact is in Europe, the EU views RSD as a symptom when measuring and assessing for ADHD. But in the United States, we do not do that. Because that makes sense to me. That makes sense. Like, okay, like mm-hmm. you have ADHD mm-hmm. and then you have like the underlying symptoms that contribute and or make up an mm-hmm. ADHD diagnosis. So then RSD would kind of fit under that. Ah, I see. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And... As, as a kind reminder to our listeners, and I know you've just alluded to this, Sarah, but like yep. not everyone who has ADHD has the exact same symptoms as, as another person with ADHD. The reason why we have criteria, criteria within the DSM-5 is just so that we can um, 
kind of line up with what is happening based on previous research and commonalities within the diagnosis itself. Right. And usually diagnose like a diagnosis like ADHD, there would be a list of various um, symptoms. And then it would say like, in order to diagnose, you have to have three out of the six or, you know, or whatever. So like you can, you don't have to like check all of the boxes of all the symptoms, but like mm-hmm. it could be a combination mm-hmm. of the, yeah, of the like typical yes. symptoms that show up. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you think, so since the EU has RSD under the ADHD umbrella and like in their symptomology, do you think that's something that you see potentially happening in the DSM down the road or something that should happen down the road or potentially maybe why not doing that might be a benefit? So depending on the ADHD type, there are... There are three different types. There is the hyperactivity impulsivity. There is inattention. And then there is the a combination of both. Both hyperactivity and inattention. Um, so if in inattention you struggle with paying close attention to details, you have trouble holding attention to your tasks and are easily distracted, um, following through on instructions, uh, and failing to finish whatever it is that you need to do. Um, organization is a struggle, uh, forgetting daily activities, um, and (laughs) often avoids dislikes or is reluctant to do tasks that require mental effort over a long period of time. Um, like schoolwork. (laughs) Um, and then with hyperactivity, which uh, a lot of boys, not every boy who is diagnosed with ADHD is the hyperactivity type, but they often like leave their seat, squirm with their, within their whole body, jumping around a lot, um, unable to play quietly constantly moving constantly on the do on the go um one of them is often talks excessively yes often blurts out an answer before a question has been completed <laughs> cannot wait for turn in <laughs> conversation interrupts yeah <laughs> so i think i think especially if emotional regulation is a struggle for people with ADHD and research has shown that I do think it's something that we need to yeah, consider because it does seem like there, it, nothing else in the criteria addresses that you know it's all about mm-hmm. like either avoiding things or like yeah is fidgeting leaves their seat and is yeah inattentive or hyperactive there's not like a has difficulty maintaining friendships or, you know, um, has emotional outbursts and they feel rejected, you know. I feel like a little thing like that would be helpful. And I also wonder if, like, the emotional dysregulation is also connected to the impulsivity portion of it because the 
executive function of the brain is underdeveloped within ADHD children and indiv- and adults. Um, though as you grow older, like it does obviously grow with the brain, but it's like small, smaller in compared to say the neurotypical mm-hmm. individual. Um, I, I personally think that it is something that we need to consider because so many women especially have either been misdiagnosed or not diagnosed at all and um, I think that's a big portion of the population yeah. a yeah. struggle to emotionally regulate ourselves interesting well thank you April for going through all of that with us today I found it fascinating I had fun and definitely something that needs to be talked about more and who knows we may revisit it in the future if there are any other topics that you listener would like to listen to please let us know because we are always trying to figure out what else we're going to talk about um if there's anything specific to mental health um that we can dive into um let us know well y'all thank you for letting me once again be on my soapbox we love april's soapbox our affirmation for the week is i am not responsible for other people's happiness I'm not responsible for other people's happiness. Louder for the people in the back. Amen. I'm not responsible (laughs) for other people's happiness. Yeah. Have a good week.